In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on life-changing talk radio, 105.1 FM, WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm director of ministry relations for WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. You know, folks, it's, it's one of the most common requests we make of God. Heal the sick, Lord. Stop this cancer, break the fever of this, of this sick child in this pandemic, please. Let's be honest, sometimes those prayers can feel more like a last resort than a conversation with the creator of the universe. As a physician, our guest today has seen the power of faith and prayer in action. And he's here to assure us that God is in the healing business. And of course, folks, you know the drill. Drill. Here to get us started to introduce our guest for the day is my good friend, my co-host of Good News for the City, Pastor Brian Bale, Senior Pastor of Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. Hey, man. It's good to hey, see man. you, dude. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Love any time we get a chance to get together and connect and, and talk. Looking forward to whatever the post-pandemic world looks like, that we can connect Amen. in deeper, more meaningful ways. Amen. Uh, but Dennis, long-time listeners of the show will we'll know this. It's, it's a joke that we kind of crack, but there's truth behind this joke that we have the privilege and we have the honor of interviewing people who are a lot more smart than we are. Oh, my smarter, word. right? Even if I could use the right <laughs> English, that would uh, be a better they term. They are smarter too, yeah. They, they are smarter and yeah. more smart, however I want to say it, right? They're and more I'm just smart say, and smarter, man. That's right. Today we have an absolute <laughs> another example of this truth by having the opportunity to talk to Dr. Dale Matthews about his book Amen. and the idea Amen. about healing. The book is called The Faith Factor, The Proof of the Healing Power of Prayer. You can get it on Amazon and many other places. But yes. I do want to take a moment um, to talk a little bit. And, and truth is, I could I could probably spend the first six minutes just giving his bio, but I'm going to brief it <laughs> a little bit because it has a I lot of really it, Brian, big, I got smart worn places out. in it, like <laughs> Yale and Georgetown and University of Connecticut. But Dr. Matthews recently retired from a 40-year practice career of practicing and teaching general internal medicine. He has served on the faculties, as I said, of places like Yale, the University of Connecticut, and Georgetown. He's lectured at over 30 medical schools. He conducts research and lectures on doctor-patient relationships and the connections of the psychological and spiritual dimensions of medicine, including the role of religion, faith, and prayer in clinical care. He is the author of the book that uh, we just mentioned, Faith Factor, Proof of the Healing Power of Prayer a four-volume research work. He has three documentaries and over 65 peer-reviewed scientific articles, book chapters, and other publications. All right, Dennis, and that's just a start. Here's some other things about him. Uh, He's a graduate of Princeton and Duke University School of Medicine. After that, his internship and residency in internal medicine were taken at the University of Connecticut, where he completed the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation Clinical Scholar Program and Fellowship in Clinical Epidemiology at Yale. In 1989, he was named the George Morris Pearsall Teaching and Research Scholar of the American College of Physicians. He has many awards for compassionate patient care, including the Washingtonian Magazine Top Doctor recognition. 
Uh, and he has appeared on places, Dennis, that are much more uh, significant than our show. Places like the Oprah Winfrey Show, people may know her, Larry King, uh, who's recently passed, and Good Morning America. He lives in McLean with his wife, uh, I believe it's Demetra. Am I saying that correct? All yes. right, I got that right, correct, Dr. Matthews. She is a certified public accountant, two adult children, three grandchildren. He enjoys family and church activities, Bible study, teaching, golf, and so many other things. I don't even know where he has time to enjoy all those things, but all the other things that we just talked about. But Dr. Matthews, really, it is an honor to have you on the show. Thanks for joining Indeed. us today, especially Indeed. to talk about what we're going to talk about. Thank you, Brian. It's a great pleasure for me to be here. And uh, you said that you guys aren't smart enough. Well, I'm retired now. So all those things are in the past now. And I'm always seeking to learn new things. Because <laughs> uh, the, we are it is, Amen. That's right. It is a journey of learning for all of us. And especially when we're, I think there's always a time in our conscious as individuals or as a community about uh, the problem of sickness, especially when it integrates with God and faith. But certainly this last year or more, when we talk about a pandemic that has hit the whole world and has had significant impact right here in the Washington metro area that have to deal with sickness I think a natural question that we want to start with this morning is, as you have uh, reached in and studied and understand both medicine and theology, why is it that you believe that we suffer and become sick, number one? And then number two, just because we suffer and become sick, does that mean God is punishing us, in your opinion? Brian, suffering is the central question of the Christian faith. Winston Churchill said it once that it, uh, it's, a, it's a mystery wrapped in a riddle inside an enigma. And I think that there's no more important question. I've been thinking about the question of suffering since, since I was 11 years old, when my parents brought my older brother and I down and said that our little baby brother was about to undergo major surgery. And at the age of 11, I remember hearing this news, running up to my bedroom and offering the first authentic prayer of my life. But my little baby brother died that night on the operating table, and wow. it threw a bomb into our family. So I've been thinking about this question for over 50 years. And I want to say something right off the bat. I'm less certain of my answer about suffering than I was when I was 11 years old. It is an incredibly difficult question, and yet it's the most important question. And even though I don't understand suffering, I trust God, and I know that God is with us in our suffering, and it requires faith for us to understand something that we can't fully understand. And, and I want to just important. personally thank you for that honesty and transparency. I know for anyone who's in the midst of suffering and struggling, when they engage someone, no matter how many degrees they have, no matter how many years of study behind it, who come at the issue of suffering, like they have all the answers, I've rarely met that that encourages someone because it is such a deep well. I mean, it is the problem of evil. The problem of suffering and pain has been one that is both theologically and philosophically been struggled with uh, for millennia trying to put this together. So as believers, when we look at suffering, we look at through the lens that God is sovereign and God knows everything that's going on. How can we think about suffering, not necessarily through the lens that God is punishing us when we go through suffering? Sure. I think there are many possible explanations when you look in the Bible. There are a number of them. One is punishment. I mean, yes. that does occur. You know, if you remember David uh, with his affair with Bathsheba, his, his infant son died. Uh, 
mm-hmm. as a result of David's sin. So sometimes illness does occur because of uh, suffering. And, and there are other examples, Ananias and Sapphira, they're, they're killed for their unwillingness to share the proceeds uh, that they received uh, at the and to give them to the apostles. Right. But that's only one reason. There are many others. First of all, we live in a broken world. And God created Adam and Eve to live forever. God created Adam and Eve not to have any illness at all. And then sin entered the world. And as a result of sin, illness and death entered the world. So we are in a broken world. And yet God is also showing us that we can, we can be healed, that, that the, at the end of time, in the book of Revelation, it says, you know, there will be no more weeping or mourning. The old things will have passed away and the new things will have come. So we basically, God created everything, in, created us to live forever. That's mm-hmm. at the beginning of the Bible. At the end of the Bible, in the new heaven and the new earth, we will live forever without sickness, health. But now we're in the middle. Right. And there is suffering and sickness. And it's part of this broken creation. Yeah, there's this old statement that's been made between once upon a time and happily ever after there is now yes. between the once upon a time of the creation and perfection. We have our fall. We've talked about that on the show and the gospel that that affects the change of the fall. That's the now we're living in. And then we'll have new bodies. Scripture says, and it'll be a new earth. There's so many things there. But in the midst of these moments, we, we do have, as you just mentioned very eloquently, um, results of sin in our personal lives that comes in as punishment, but also results that because of corporate sin, we live in a fallen, broken world and things that happen to us. And so I think sometimes when we deal with those issues, we might struggle with faith. As, as you look at your research, how do you find that faith is connected to this issue of health, maybe even specifically better health? Well, when I went to medical school, there was no mention of religion whatsoever. It was mentioned, actually, uh, I'll take that back. It was mentioned one time when the professor of OBGYN talked about birth control. He talked about the rhythm method, which he castigated as Vatican roulette. That was the only mention of religion in my four years of medical school. And uh, there were some complaints about that specific lecture. So I think the next year's class didn't get any mention of religion in four years. But as a person of faith, I saw people praying at the bedside. I saw uh, the, the people who were cleaning the rooms would come in and pray for patients. And so it was just odd to me that this very important life was a part of life was not being addressed at all in my medical training. So when I became a, uh, uh, a doctor, a professor at the University of Connecticut, I remember a patient coming into me and saying, Dr. Matthews, I understand you're a Christian doctor. Will you pray for me? And I had never prayed for a patient before. I'd never seen that, but I believed in prayer. And so I went ahead and prayed with the patient. But on the way home, I began thinking about it and, and saying, well, what's the evidence? Is, is, is prayer helpful? And so I began this long process of looking at the medical evidence. And I found in my book, The Faith Factor, Proof of the Healing Power of Prayer, that uh, faith has enormous effects on on medical illness, on psychiatric illness, on addictions, on quality of life, and even survival. People of Mm. faith, on average, live seven years longer than people who are not religiously committed. Now, that's a very impressive figure. Yeah. So, you know, I do encourage people, the faith factor, the proof of the healing power of prayer to to pick up the book. It'll, It'll answer a lot of questions that we don't have time to dig into in our short amount of time uh, together. But I do want to also talk about this idea. There's this tension sometimes where people really want to know, does God want to heal us? 
Um, and then secondly, if he does, was that just something that we read about in the Bible? And it only is possible for people who lived 2000 years ago and were, you know, right around Jesus time, or is God still in the healing business today? What would you say about that? Yes, the Bible is very clear about this. Uh, there are many names for God. One of the names for God in the Old Testament is Rapha, meaning mm-hmm. healer, and God is our healer. And then Jesus comes, the book of Colossians says, he's the perfect representation of the Father, and Jesus came as a healer. So we know that healing is at the very core of what God wants to do. And and if you remember the leper coming to Jesus for the first time, and and he says, Lord, if, if you are willing, please make me clean. And Jesus says, I am willing, be clean. So, so God's intention for us is healing. He demonstrated that with Adam and Eve. He will demonstrate it again in the happy thereafter where there's no illness. And he's also interested in our healing today. Yeah, I think one of Dennis, because this is pertinent. Um, I know you don't know me well, Doc, but I've been a pastor for over 40 years. I know that's hard to believe since I look like I'm 25. <clears throat> Brian, but don't look at me like that, man. Anyway, when I was, um, I guess I was 42, um, I was serving a large church in Clearwater, Florida. I had a really messed up back. I had had a head-on car collision when I was 30. Had a really messed up back, and I got to the point where I, and I'm a mover when I preach, man. I walk all over the place, and so a, a, a surgeon in my church said, Pastor D, dude, you got to get this fixed, man. Come on. I mean, you're just getting. And so I said, okay. So we set it up. I had two associates. Um, I had them preaching, or excuse me, I had three associates. I had them preaching two weeks apiece, and I'd be back in six weeks, right? They put me on the operating tape, uh, table at Tampa General, and um, I didn't wake up for a long, long time. And when I woke up, I'd had a stroke. Hmm. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I couldn't see. I couldn't function. Couldn't hold my bowels. Couldn't hold my bladder. Nothing. And now you look at me, you probably can't even tell that I had a stroke. But I remember this doctor. I was laying there. I couldn't move much of anything. I, my vision in my, in my left eye had not come back. And I remember hearing out at the nurse's station, because I was in ICU and the door was open, and the doctor said to another doctor and the nurse, what in the world? I thought these guys, meaning pastors, are protected. I thought they're protected from this. How in the world could this happen to him? And so I think, you know, with what you were saying, we live in a fallen world that I'm no better or worse than anybody else. I'm not any more. But when you said some of those things, it just reminded me of those. Now, it took me years and God, but look at what God has done. God has healed me in amazing, miraculous ways. If you had seen me in in 2005. But anyway, Brian, I'm sorry for interrupting, buddy, but I wanted to kick that in because I think it's germane. I, I wanted to say two things. Number one is also that makes me think about the Apostle Paul. I mean, think of all the things that the Apostle Paul went through. He was stoned multiple times. He was left for dead. He was out in the open sea, chased by wild animals. Um, he just underwent incredible suffering. And then he develops this illness called the thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what it was, whether it was depression or whether it was an eye problem. But anyway, it's actually even better that we don't know what it was because it makes the principle more generalizable. And Paul prayed, and this is a great man of prayer. Paul, you know, was able to raise 
the Eutychus, that student who uh, fell from the third story window, he was able to raise him from the dead. He was a great man of prayer. And he prayed that God would remove the thorn in the flesh. And yet it was not. And then Paul got that insight that God's power is made perfect in yes. my weakness. Yes. And that was yes. a very transformative passage for me because I struggled some when I in my 20s with depression. And it was that very passage that changed me because I was very perfectionistic, particularly in my early years in medical school, yeah. you know, I had to have everything yeah. exactly right yeah. and everything else. And that led to the depression. And it wasn't until I understood that God loved me for who I was, not because of what I do. I'm a human being, sure. not a human yes. doing. Amen. And uh, so that, that was transformed. The other thing you mentioned Clearwater. Uh, I did a prayer study in uh, Clearwater, Florida, on patients with rheumatoid arthritis, and the patients came from Clearwater. And this was, I know you're going to remember this, this occurred, our prayer study occurred about a month or two before this image of the Virgin Mary. Yes, 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 I remember. In downtown Clearwater, and that was less than a quarter mile from where we did the study, and we took it as our sign that God (laughs) approved our, our study but uh, that was that was quite a remarkable event the virgin i remember Mary. that yes yeah. yes <laughs> well interesting dennis that you mentioned the doctor outside saying you know i thought people like this you know god would protect them i think the other side of that coin is there are people who think okay if you're not on god's team and so what i mean by that is if you haven't accepted jesus christ as your savior that god that god doesn't care about your healing um, yes, so yes. just does God reserve healing just for those who are believers or does he have a bigger plan with the Dr. Matthews? No, I think that's part of what's called common grace is God yeah. does offer healing to lots of people and sinners can apply because guess what? Romans three twenty three: all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, Christian and non-Christian are all sinners. And so God has healed a number of us, whether we're sinners or non-sinners. And, and there are plenty of examples of, in the scripture. You know, you have King Nebuchadnezzar is healed. He was not a, he was an evil man and he was healed. And, um, and there's no evidence that, that some of the people, Jesus healed the Gentiles. And that was surprising because uh, his followers thought initially, you know, he was only going to come for the Jews. So Jesus comes for, for everyone uh, and his healing power is available for everyone. So I want to just go back to something you said just a few moments ago. Uh, You talked about Paul and the thorn of the flesh. And and I love the fact that you mentioned the genius of the fact that that we don't know exactly what it is, because I think we have um, this tendency as human beings to do the comparison game. Yes. Uh, Well, Paul's thorn in the flesh isn't as bad if it was an eye problem, like some people think it might be. It's not as bad as my congenital heart issues or it's not as bad as my cancer or, you know, whatever it might be. So the fact that we don't know what it is, there's, there's brilliance in that. But I do think that there's this, this wondering in many people that says, okay, God, especially if, if we look to Romans chapter eight, and specifically this is for believers. So we'll talk about believers in this way, that God works all things together for his good. They often miss the next verse, which says yeah. to be conformed to the image of the son of God. So our definition of good and his definition are different. So can anything good then, can be gained, in your opinion, from sickness or disease? How does God use something as, as, as awful as cancer, as huge as COVID-19, as bad as heart disease, or a stroke on the midst of an, midst of an operating table for good? 
Sure. Well, you could go back earlier in Romans in chapter five. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And that hope does not disappoint us. Mm. So there is a, a process of this. Now, you know, I've had a lot of suffering in my own life. Uh, I lost two brothers, uh, infant brothers, to death. And, and uh, two other brothers died in their 50s. I'm the only one left out of five brothers, the only one surviving. Mm. Would I exchange that? Would I exchange? You know, I'd love to have them back. You know, all that death has made me a better doctor. But if, if I, you know, would I make that choice? You know, I'd rather have my brothers, right? But that was not the choice that I have. We, God has given us each. Uh, there, that's the mystery. We come back to that mystery. I don't understand it. I don't understand. I still don't understand to this day why my brothers died. But I'm willing to to realize that my knowledge that I see through a glass darkly, as Paul mm. says, yeah, and I'm willing to believe that God loves me and my family and God will be with me in my suffering, even though I don't understand suffering, because that requires faith and faith. You go back to Abraham, Abraham, that was the craziest thing that God asked him to do, to take his own son and sacrifice him, let alone have a brother die, but to actually be the one who kills him. That is, that is a crazy thing that God asked Abraham to do in human terms. Yeah. Abraham did it and his son was spared. And and so our faith is very important to God. Without faith, Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Yeah. I always, whenever I quote that scripture to my people at Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, I say, the truth is we want to say this, Without faith, it's still possible to please God, but that's not how it works. And especially your reference of 1 Corinthians 13, that we see through a glass darkly. There's a lot of things we don't understand, but going back to what this show is about, the good news of the gospel, there is one thing that's very clear, that God loved us enough to send his son, Jesus Christ, to solve our sin problem. And that if God loved us enough to put Jesus through all of that pain and all that difficulty because he cares for us, it is inconsistent with the character of God to then all of a sudden say, well, now he's just going to put all this suffering in our life just to hurt us with no purpose, but actually that he will use it. And so in the last couple of minutes or so, how does one then in this last say minute or so find an eternal cure when they're plagued right now with an immediate illness? Well, let's talk about Lazarus. I think that's a great story. And Mary and Martha we're very upset at Jesus. Where were you, Lord? If you'd only been here two days earlier, our our uh, son, our brother would have uh, survived. Yeah. So they were initially upset at Jesus, and yet they still had faith. We, you know, we know that all things are possible for you. And then Jesus heals Lazarus. So, you know, Jesus is showing that our eternal salvation is the most important thing. Yes. Because remember, Lazarus died again. He's he's one of the only people who died yeah. twice. He may have been he's, bummed to be brought back. He's like, hey, I was good, and, and here I am. Yeah. Right. So we all death is part of our human uh, condition, mm-hmm. but it's eternity. So we need to be citizens of heaven and to look for keep one foot here on earth, but one foot in heaven. Keeping our yeah. eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
And that's such a great encouraging note just to end on. I, I Man, I wish we could, maybe we need to bring back and talk some more about this, Dennis, because yeah, personally, do. you know me, I could talk forever yeah. about stuff like this. And I know you can as well. Uh, but just this reminder at the end about the gospel, right, Dennis? Amen. 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 That's the, that's the one thing we point to all the time, Dr. Matthews. And thank you so much. God bless you, my friend, my brother, for, for being with us. Folks, if you want to hear this again, and this is some good stuff, by the way, you will want to hear this again. Go to goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or if you want to give me a call at the station, I'm still getting my calls there, 703-807-2266. That's 703-807-2266. Remember the book, Faith Factor, Proof of the Healing Power of Prayer. You can get that on Amazon. Excuse me. Faith Factor, Proof of the Healing Power of Prayer. You can get it on Amazon and other places. Um, Look it up. I did it myself this morning. Um, Dr. Matthews, again, thank you. God bless you. Folks, thank you for being with us. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you again next week. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.